five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is the Space Cube Podcast. My guest this week is Marina Messissian, Senior Director, Space Payloads at Honeywell Aerospace. In 2015, Honeywell announced it was acquiring Cambridge, Ontario-based ComDev. It seemed to be a good move on Honeywell's part at the time. But by 2017, the market that ComDev served, primarily the geocommunication satellite market, had imploded with geo-satellite orders down by almost 75%. Honeywell reacted by right-sizing the ComDev assets, laying off nearly half the staff. Since then, the company has been reinventing itself. Recently, they announced a new greenhouse incubator to be based in Ottawa. In my conversation with Marina, we discussed the events of the past few years, how Honeywell has reimagined its Canadian-spaced operations, what the greenhouse incubator will do, and how the company plans to move forward. Listen in. Welcome, Marina, to the SpaceQ podcast. Thanks, Mark. So, before we discuss Honeywell's new greenhouse incubator in Ottawa, I want to first discuss uh, some of the company's recent history in Canada, its current focus, and how events led to the creation of the incubator. Now, Honeywell... um, acquired uh, Cambridge-based ComDev in 2016, um, also at a time when commercial geocommunication satellite orders were still averaging about 19 orders per year uh, over the previous five years. ComDev components, now Honeywell components, were in about 85% of the satellites manufactured at that time, which is astounding. Both good and bad, as it turns out. Uh, it would certainly uh, would seem to be an attractive acquisition at the time. However, in 2017, the commercial geo-satellite orders fell to seven. And in 2018, orders fell to five. So a little bit of a tough question to start, maybe. But when, <laughs> Honey, but when Honeywell acquired ComDev, do you think it uh-huh. was aware that such a dramatic shift from commercial geo-satellite orders was coming? Yeah. You know, Mark, I, I don't think anybody was aware of the magnitude of that of that downturn in the market. Um, all the literature, all the conferences that, that you attended, you know, and uh, and the dialogue at the time, whether it be the operators, the primes, I think everybody was was very surprised at, at the magnitude and the speed at which it kind of came and, and plateaued out. Uh, we certainly thought 2017 was the the, the worst year we've had in, a, in uh, probably in, in our history, um, and then of course 2018 kind of uh, um, didn't get any better, it got worse a little bit. So no, I, I I don't think anybody had any idea of how how bad the market was going to turn. So do you think geo satellites will pick up uh, to where they were a few years ago? You know the the. the it's quite interesting when you when you hear the conversation uh, again at the various panels and at all the conferences we've attended. There is talk about geos going back to you know between 14 and 18. It's hard to see that actually coming in. Um, you know, at its prime, it was between 20 and 25. Um, my personal feel is it'll probably 
to get better than what we have here, whether or not it'll ever reach the the, the, the levels that, that we enjoyed many years ago, I, I don't think we'll get there. I, I think we'll see a combination of geos, leos, neos um, going forward. Yeah. Uh, now, as part of the history, um, so by September of 2017, uh, it was reported that Honeywell had let go of nearly 49% of its staff in Cambridge. Um, so fast forward to today, uh, mm-hmm. now that we know what's going on with the, the geo market and, and the company transitioning, um, can you tell me a little bit how Honeywell in space and Honeywell in general is positioned in Canada and how many employees and facilities you, you currently have? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I can speak a bit uh, to that. Um, I mean, Honeywell actually has quite a large footprint in Canada uh, and, and along in, in, is involved in many sectors across Canada. We're just around 3,600 employees across the country. Um, our sales were just over 2.4 billion um, Canadian. Uh, so it, it, it's quite um, it, the majority of which is, is all centered around aerospace, and the majority of those employees from the 3,600 are located in Ontario, uh, spread in three different main facilities: Cambridge, uh, very close to Toronto and Mississauga, and then there's another plant here in Ottawa where I am. Um, it's a it's a SATCOM plant. Um, so the Honeywell as a whole, like I said, has, uh, um, has a broad reach in Canada. Uh, we do quite well out west in the oil and gas industry. And, and of course, aero is, is, our biggest, uh, is our biggest component by far in, in terms of overall sales. Um, with respect to space, uh, it, it is very much what ComDev was, right? Uh, Honeywell doesn't have any other, um, any other locations other than ComDev uh, uh, for in, in the space industry. We're, we're just around, um, I'd say we're probably just under 500 employees. Um, our sales are, of course, nowhere near where they were in, in 2015. Um, and again, it's, it's primarily attributed to the slowdown in the, in the geo market. Um, so we've right-sized, as many companies did. I think um, we just heard another big announcement in resizing of Maxar uh, just last week. So I think a lot of companies face the same issue that, that we faced a, a couple of years back. Uh, I think we did it at a time where um, it helped us build for the future. Um, so we're, I believe we're right-sized for where we need to be uh, currently and, and looking at the trends over the next uh, year or two. Uh, now, the other thing I will say is because Honeywell um, has, such a hard, has such a broad spectrum in the country, we've been able to bring some, some really key developments into our Cambridge facility. Um, so we've brought other product lines into Cambridge, and that certainly has helped. Now... Um just so that the audience sort of has an idea, and if you know this, Honeywell globally, how many employees are we talking about? Oh, um, I think it was about 130,000 yeah, global. That's, that's what I thought. It's a very big company. Um, it's huge, yeah. So... Uh, so, and the numbers that you just uh, mentioned in terms of uh, staff uh, in the Cambridge area, um, mm-hmm. that would certainly reflect uh, a stability from that 2017 uh, right-sizing, if you will, to, to today. Um, now, Honeywell as a whole has been doing very well these last few years, including its satellite products and systems, which is uh, where we, the 
division that you work in. Uh, in Canada, what are you focused on now other than this new gr- greenhouse uh, incubator? Well, I mean, we've always been a very heavily uh, export-driven organization, Comdef, prior to Honeywell. Uh, about 95% of our of our total revenues and sales are, are all exported, uh, and primarily for the commercial communication market. Um, you, you know, you mentioned that we were on board uh, over 85% of all satellite all communication satellites. That's around over a thousand satellites that we have hardware on. Uh, so we continue to invest in that area uh, in terms of making sure that our products are, are ready for the next uh, technology trends where we're looking at the next generation of RF products um, because architectures are changing. So we continue to invest in, in those areas. We also have a center of excellence in optics. Um, so whether it's earth observation or, or astronomy, we, we play quite heavily in, in, in those sectors. And of course, our optical communication uh, uh, work that we're doing now, whether it's for the whether under the greenhouse or the incubator or outside of that, um, is very much built on the long-time um, expertise that we have. Um, a lot of that has been with the help of the space agency and so forth uh, in terms of seed money that that helped us develop some of that technology. Okay, so. Let's uh, transition and now talk uh, about uh, this new greenhouse incubator. Uh, but mm-hmm. bef- before we get into the actual specifics of it, let, let's mm-hmm. go back a little bit. Let, let's start with the decision to create the incubator. The incubator. Yeah. Uh, when when did that discussion first start, and uh, and what areas of focus did you consider uh, before settling on the small satellite technology? Yeah. No. No. That's that's a really good question, and, and we've. Um, you know, we've recognized um, that space as in general, you know, an area that we've, people like myself have worked in all our careers, um, there absolutely is changing, right? It, we've seen so much change in the last couple of years, and the old approach to how we used to um, do our designs, the whole qualification process, the very high-end triple E parts, uh, you know, the 15-year life cycle and so forth, those things were, were, were no longer the, the most important aspect of how do you get hardware into space. Um, so we started to look at that and said, how do we actually develop, how do we actually speed up our development cycle? Now, this goes back to Comdes history when we first launched um, our own satellite, the NTS satellite, which we, we built from scratch um, in a matter of six months. And, and when you think about how we did that, it was a group of people, really, really brilliant people. We gave them a lab. They, they went on and they created what they need to do. They developed it. They had it built. They tested it, and it was launched in no time. I mean, that satellite worked for many, many years and, and, and was, the, was the starting point for our exact Earth business that we launched at the time. So we, we know how to do that. And how do you actually, in this day and age, take that mentality and that philosophy and bring it to a really large company. As you can imagine, you know, it takes a while to develop, qualify, uh, test everything, and then, and then get something into space because heritage is so important for most of our space customers. So that's, the, that's where we kind of recognize that we need to change. And when you also look at what was going on in, the, in our industry at the time, there's so many startups um, everywhere, right? And, and these guys are, are, are so smart. They have so much innovative, innovative technology um, 
that you can't help but take advantage of that, right? How, how do you actually build on that? So you partner with them, you hire yourself some, some you know, uh, new grads, and, and you put them away somewhere, give them a few, uh, give, give them a few people that have experience and, and have seen the life cycle of product and just let them go. Um, so really that's where it stemmed from. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting to see how quickly they're able to produce new products. And it, it's all about how quickly can you fail, right? How, how do we actually get there quicker and quicker? And um, they've been able to do, I don't know, six iterations of one of our products in a matter of uh, a couple of months. So it's really been phenomenal. Uh, so that's kind of the premise of, of where, we, where it all started. And we decided to do it in Ottawa because um, our Center of, of Excellence for Optics is here in Ottawa. And it, it's, it, it's a small enough group and it's got the right um, attitude and approach uh, surrounded by a, a, a large number of startups and um, optics companies, uh, so we thought it was an ideal place to, to, to locate the greenhouse. Now, so that was a great explanation, but when did the, the discussion first start, like uh, time-wise? Um, I'd say probably about two and a half years ago, three years ago. I saw that 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 long ago. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we we started to work under that premise for for a little bit, and about last year it really started to materialize in terms of what we needed to do. Uh, once once we once we understood what we wanted to do and what areas we wanted to target, um, it, it it was quite um, for a large company. It moved quite fast. Let's just say. All right. Now I'm curious um, because you brought up the exact earth, and I hadn't thought of this question until you brought it up but <laughs> looking back on it now should uh, should you have kept exact earth within the company um you, you know i mean i'm sure honeywell did its due diligence in terms of what what they felt um was well aligned with uh with the honeywell uh, overall strategy and um um you know i i'm I, I don't really know exactly what, what thought process went into that, but, but I can guarantee you based on everything I've seen to date and the way that Honeywell approaches its strategic decisions, I, I'm sure they waited against that and decided that, that it wasn't the right fit for them. And when was the decision, now going back to the incubator now, when was, okay. the, when was the decision to, to, to actually go ahead and formally create uh, the incubator? Um. I'd say in the last six to nine months, right? And um, in doing my research for this, I actually came across the name Greenhouse Incubator actually being used for other Honeywell, um, uh, I suppose, initiatives. So this is uh, the Greenhouse Incubator in Canada for the space, but I was reading about a UAV one in the in the U.S. So are there several incubators at Honeywell or just the, the two that I've come across? Or? Yeah, no, there, there are. There are several uh, what we call greenhouses uh, within Honeywell. Uh, and they're, they're, they have a very focused um, strategy in terms of what they're targeting. Uh, the one for space here in Ottawa, initially we looked at just focusing on, on, on small sets. 
Um, that's where the future is uh, in terms of satellite getting smaller and so forth. So we, we thought that that was the right that was the right approach in how do we get products ready for this new age of um, of satellite systems. Was there any consideration of actually creating this incubator in the U.S. as opposed to Canada? Uh, no, no. Well, I mean, we looked at a number of different locations, and um, you, you know, Canada does have quite a quite an attractive um, uh, amount of incentives for for technology, and and certainly the last few governments, and certainly the liberal government, has been um, quite supportive of science and innovation. So it really made sense for us to do it here in in Ottawa. Now, how many people are currently working in the incubator and how big do you expect it to to get? The the actual incubator, we're we're keeping it small. Um, So we're not really expecting the the folks that are actually reporting into the incubator to get more than 20, 30 people. Uh, But we're also using the rest of our resource pool to augment the the activities in that incubator. You can imagine if it gets quite large, it it just becomes another large organization. So we do have pockets of people in in the U.S. We have uh, um, a a small group of people in Glendale. We have a small group of people in Clearwater, Florida, where other space sites are. And and they work together uh, with our folks here in, in Ottawa. So I don't really expect it to get much larger than that. It's the surrounding it's the surrounding organization that needs to step in and support. Hi. And in terms of products that, that you're working on now, what are some of the interesting things that, that you're working on and and, and uh, are any going to be going to uh, to market uh, in the near future? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the first uh, um, product lines is our reaction wheel uh, assemblies. Um, those, so we're on the OneWeb platform where we are part of the OneWeb constellation, and those wheels were originally developed in um, in our um, U.S. Uh, um, uh, in our Glendale facility, in our Phoenix facility. Those wheels are going to be manufactured in Cambridge. Our our line is set up in Cambridge, and it's ready to take the uh, the the uh, the full production line. Um, so we're going to continue with the next generation of, of uh, reaction wheel development. We're going to do that out of our, our uh, Ottawa facility. Um, so that's one product area we're targeting. Um, I mean, for example, Telesat Leo is, is certainly um, the first constellation that we're looking at. We're looking at the next gen for OneWeb. Um, and of course, we're trying to build products that are not so specific to one type of application. So they have to be flexible enough that we can plug and play, sort of speak. Um, the other really interesting uh, product line for us is um, in the optical communication area um, and optical inter-satellite links uh, as being predominantly what we're focused on right now. Um, and that's uh, allowing, and again, that's targeted for Telesat Leo as, as the first demonstration. Um, so um, that development is going quite well. Um, we had our launch event uh, February 26th here in Ottawa, and we actually had uh, some demonstration pieces um, and a video for folks to look at. So that part is going really, really well. Um, I think we've gotten we've got an incredible product. Um, it has um, it's very competitive. Uh, the the cost targets, as you can imagine, are 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 quite aggressive, and, and we're able to meet uh, those cost targets. 
So that, that's, um, I would say that's probably our biggest development that we've undertaken last, um, last year. And we'll, re- we'll be ready with a full prototype um, at, um, at the end of this year. Now, you know, you mentioned a few times that, you know, Honeywell being a big company and then the, and, and uh, the mindset with, with, uh, with something like that is, and of course you said you were talking on timeframes of 10 to 15 years for things. So the, the mindset has obviously had to change. So has the culture changed within, uh, within Honeywell, uh, you know, in, in Canada? I mean, speed has always been speed is always so important. Speed to market is is always um, one of the biggest challenges for any company, right? How how quickly can you get your products developed and, and demonstrated, and of course get them get them launched? Um, in terms of the mindset, I, I'd say that a lot of the folks that that we have working on these products came with that mindset. It was you know. It, very few times do you hear can't do this, can't do that. They just they just went off and made things happen. Um, so I'd say that it's not so much a culture change as going back to what how we used to develop. Um, and um, you know when you put a bunch of really smart people and and throw in a couple of really strong leaders in, in terms of just showing the drive, uh, building in the drive and the and the program plans, I think people just rally together and, and make things happen really quickly. So I wouldn't say it's a huge mindset change. We've just given them a way to to um, just work in that in that kind of uh, mindset. We've created that atmosphere, I guess, that, that, that environment. Okay. And now, uh, you know, innovation is this buzzword that's out there these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you're talking about a constellation like OneWeb, when you're talking about a constellation like Telesat, uh, you know these are uh, low Earth or, or observation or low Earth orbit uh, constellations. Um, mm-hmm. The satellites have a shorter lifespan; they're going to get replenished sooner. So, is the mm-hmm. incubator and let's say the reaction wheels as a as a as an example? Uh, are you finding that you're going to be able to uh, iterate with new reaction wheels so that you know? Three years down the road, when they go to replenish X number of satellites, that you've got this, you, you've been able to innovate, and and it's the technology is that much better. Um, if the requirement is there, then absolutely, right? I, I I think that you work together with your partners, whether it's the prime or the operator or your supply chain. Um, you have to work together to see what what incremental improvements need to be made, um, and 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 that's how you approach it. Uh, we have to be quick enough to adapt if there's a change, um, and we're prepared to do that. But those things you don't do in isolation, right? Because I think you'll fail. You you have to have really really strong relationships with um, up and down your chain, right, in terms of your supply base and up to your customer uh, so that you make those changes together. And with respect to the products coming out of the incubator going to market, what kind of customers are you looking at uh, right now? Um, I mean, you know, when you look at uh, how many constellations, ESA's tracking, I think there's over 51 constellations that they're tracking. How many of them will go forward? Who knows? Um, we're certainly, we certainly believe that Telesat Leo has a really, really good um, solution. And, and uh, we're working closely with the primes and, and with Telesat themselves to uh, to answer their, their requirements. Um, 
so some of the customers that we're working with are, are, are your standard space customers because they're evolving as well in terms of the approach, right, of, of, of how they, uh, how they um, design their satellites and how they launch them even. Uh, we have other customers that we're working with, potential customers that we're working with, smaller, newer, um, new to the market, um, and it's hard to say how many of them will succeed. Right. Um, so we're, we're really not exclusive with anyone. We have a strong partnership with um, a couple, uh, and then of course we have a partnership with Ball on our on our um, optical and satellite link product. But we're really we're open to speak to anyone that that has a credible, um, uh, you know, um, opportunity. Now a few years ago, I mm. went to uh, uh, a press <coughs> excuse me a press conference at. Uh, uh, in Cambridge, uh, and mm-hmm. the Conservative government was in power, and uh, the local minister was there. I think it was, oh, darn, I, re- I forget his name. Um, but it was a big thing. And one of the things that w- that uh, was being showcased was um, some products that were had been created using 3D printing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In the manufacturing process today and as you go forward, how how is 3D printing fitting in into uh, uh, as a way of, I suppose, cutting costs? Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't. You have to look at the application and volumes and things like that because uh, you know it certainly isn't applicable everywhere. But we are we are looking at, for example, some of our chassis, some of our housings for our our standard um, RF products. Those are being um, uh, those are being printed. Um, and, and Honeywell actually has, we, we have our own capability uh, down in Phoenix that, that we're using, but we've worked with other par- partners as well. So we are using it, um, uh, but we're careful in terms of what products we use it on. Um, but, but certainly it's very, very active right now. And there's so many different techniques, and, and there's, uh, the, the advances in technology are coming so quickly. Uh, you, you really have to keep up, because what you couldn't do last year, you can all, all of a sudden do today. So, so you really have to keep up on, on those trends. Now, before I transition to my last topic, okay. um, is there anything else that our audience should know about the Greenhouse Incubator? Um, you know, we're. I think it's just such an exciting opportunity for for young talent, and we're always looking for young talent. Uh, we're looking at partnering with small companies. We're looking at partnering with universities and, and uh, principal investigators. Um, so if there's an, you know, if, if there's if there's something interesting that that catches our eye, then we'll certainly look at it. Um, so I, I'm just saying we're we're open, and um, uh, and and I think I've said it in, in another interview. We're not going to do this on our own, and anybody who thinks they're going to get there on their own, I, I think, is, is a bit misguided. So we're looking at uh, forming partnerships. We're looking at people who bring who bring value to to an overall product strategy, and, and you know we're looking at that organization developing and keeping their IP. Um, so so we're 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 always looking for new partners, and and always for for young talent. All right, so. In this last week, we've seen some very interesting um, happenings in Canada. Uh, and no, I'm for the audience. I'm not mench- uh, I'm not talking about the SNC Lavalin scandal. Uh, I'm talking about the. I, I, I can't talk to that one. <laughs> I, I I'm talking about the other one, and that is the fact that last week the Canadian government announced that it was going to the moon. Uh, 
uh, and that Canada was going to be spending uh, $2.05 billion, and that's a B, for the Lunar Gateway and the Lunar Exploration Accelerator Program. And then Mm -hmm. after that announcement uh, came the announcement of the new space strategy, which is what everybody's been waiting for uh, for several years. Um, The reaction to both has been certainly uh, been mixed. From the public's perspective, I'm hearing uh, that the public has certainly uh, finds the Lunar Gateway program as something that they uh, are positive about. Uh, but from a uh, the perspective of the actual space community itself, definitely getting mixed reaction on the Lunar Gateway uh, program in terms of, you know, the funding over 24 years. Uh, and also the new space strategy, which... <sighs> isn't a long-term space plan by the traditional sense. Uh, There's not really much in the way of financial breakdown in that. Uh, It does mention some, uh, does mention all of the investments the the government has uh, put forward these last few years. So uh, from your perspective, um, what do you think of uh, the events in the last week? Yeah. um, You know, it's, um, I think it's, it's a great first step. It really is. Uh, I was actually fortunate enough to be at the announcement at, at the space agency last Thursday, and um, it was just a great atmosphere. Um, so, so I think it's absolutely a, a great first step. Um, any time that space is in the forefront, any time that space is in the news, you know, like I'm a space cadet at heart and I've always been in the space industry. So um, anytime space gets mentioned, gets some funding, I think is positive for the industry as a whole. Um, but, you know, when we talk about economic benefit and things like that, you know, we hear so many high numbers. And when you look at, um, you know, billions and billions of dollars that the space industry generates, 80% of that comes from satellites. So, you know, keeping that in mind is, is Canada has to make sure that we, we have a very well-balanced approach to our entire space sector, um, how, we, how we fund programs and how do we keep science alive. And, you know, those are areas that Canada's always excelled in. And I, I'm really, I've been very fearful that we're starting to become irrelevant in, in, in terms of overall um, innovation for space. Um, so this is a great opportunity. Uh, I think we have to continue down that path. I think industry as a whole has been lobbying really, really hard. Um, certainly, I think it's caught the attention of, of a number of, of MPs, and, and we're going to have to keep doing that. Uh, in terms of the space plan, um, you, you know, Mark, I, it's, it's hard to get all that excited about a, a plan. That um, I, I think it's good that we released a, um, the plan, um, but. I, I think we have to do more, right? This is um, is a lot of uh, very good um, messages in, in the overall document. I think one of the one of the best things about the document and and something that the government was able to recognize is that space. They're recognizing that space is a strategic national asset, and I think that's huge. Um, because once you recognize that, then then I think funding uh, or keeping it moving it becomes that much uh, that much that's much that much easier I should say. So I think that was for me uh, what I got out of the document. I think was that piece of it. Um, I mean, it talks again about keeping a well-balanced government programming to support the space sector. 
we have to we we have to keep going down that path. It can't all be about lunar um, gateway and and lunar missions and so forth. The satellite market. Um, is what keeps us going every day, right? Imagine losing a satellite and losing all your con- connectivity. Uh, I think that's when people will realize the importance that Canada plays in all that. Um, supporting science missions, supporting astronomy. I think those things are still um, a, a bit away from, from, from getting properly funded. So I'm really looking forward to the next step. So how do we take this document and actually turn it into something that's a bit more tangible? Uh, and I do have one very specific question on this, and that mm-hmm. part of the uh, the announcement was this new Lunar Exploration Accelerator Program. That's $150 million over five years, and uh, mm-hmm. although I haven't heard this uh, – said that it was going to be in this year's uh, CSA budget, um, it would seem like it would be a good time to start it. Um, mm-hmm. And so let's say it's, you know, $30 million a year for that program on top of the current space technology uh, development program. So let's say around $50 million going towards small businesses for innovation. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. How does that, uh, is that something that at least that you, from a Honeywell perspective is like, wow, this is a, this is a good thing or... I, I do. I, like, I, like I said before, any time that there's money made for, uh, for advancements in space and for innovation, I think that's fantastic. Uh, now, these ones are linked to, to anything lunar, which is fine, but you, you can take that and say, okay, well, what about um, you know, uh, uh, human medicine, right? So how do, how do you actually uh, include um, the medical aspect of it, which, which CSA is very interested in moving forward? How do you extend that to communication and deep space communications? Um, whether it's for for communication on on um, um, for the Canada Arm or for for navigation systems for rovers or whatever, I, I, I think that's all a good thing. Um, so I, I'm, I, I mean the other piece of it is is it gives CSA a little bit more flexibility because it's adding to its A base rather than um, using part of the A base to fund these things. So again, it's it's more money for space and and that's got to be a good thing. Okay. Last question has nothing to do with what we've discussed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I try to ask this of all my guests. Um, uh-huh. What books, fiction or nonfiction, are you reading or have read recently that you would recommend to our listeners? <laughs> so I, I love Game of Thrones, and I read the books, and I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the next book. Although I've seen the, you know, although I'm I'm, I'm totally hooked on the series. But but certainly it's uh, for anybody who hasn't read it. It's 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 a great read, um, and I'm also a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. So um, <laughs> you know I can't say I've read them recently, but uh, um, certainly those are classics for me. Uh, and you know I think Lord of the Rings is um, I think I've read that like four or five times. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. a it's a great book, and uh, the Game of Thrones books were were good, and I have to say the series has lived up to the books for the most part. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward. I think it's April 14th. April fourteenth. Uh, April fourteenth, the final season, um, yes, and the trailer just came out, so that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> ominous. <laughs> Will the good guys win? Doesn't look good. Oh no. Um, okay, <laughs> they'll pull through. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marina, thank you very much for being my guest on the show. I hopefully, as the uh, greenhouse incubator and Honeywell moves forward with his projects, we can get you back on to talk about the uh, changes. Hey, Mark, it's been great. Thanks so much for your time. 
Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the Space Cube Podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash We really appreciate feedback. And to help us, we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music if you're so inclined. If you have any comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca where you'll find an archive of each episode. If you send me a comment by email, I'll write back to you as soon as I can. On Twitter, you can follow us at Canada in Space. And if you use Facebook, you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page, The Space Q. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app.